And you can do whatever percentage you want. You don't have to give the whole. Do I need to start over? <laughs> Keep going. Anna Marie said her drink down. Sorry. Really <laughs> low. Sorry. It's like thunder over here. <laughs> My bad. In this morning's Money Watch, women and retirement. Many of us are worried about having enough money to live on when we retire, and it tends to be a bigger concern for women than men. A new survey from the Fed is making serious waves. 54% of the women surveyed think they will continue to work past the age of 62. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Ladies, as I was driving to work today, I had Beyonce and Destiny Child's <laughs> songs going through my head. You guys remember it. All the women who independent. This is where Rochelle put some music in to make it sound better. <laughs> Throw your hand. Um, that was our anthem in college. <laughs> we would run out to the dance floor. But this that song came into my head because today's show is all about women. We're going to talk about women and retirement. And guys, if you're listening, don't don't turn to some other podcast. Don't worry. Some of the challenges that women face in retirement or the issues that are specific to women, they're important to men too. Having a retirement plan, having, having conversations, educating yourself about this stuff, it knows no gender. But just so you know, the topics that we are going to hit today for sure are important to women and may be important to men. So just to set the scene, that's what we're going to do. But it's most important for me to talk about the women who are in the podcast room with me today because they're some of my favorite women around. First, I've got Rochelle Smith. She's producer extraordinaire. And the women in this room, too, not only do you do it in your professional lives, you guys work with women every day. You help women plan retirements. You, you support the team here at Merkel Retirement Planning as we help people plan their retirements. But you also empower women in your personal lives. And that's what I, how I want to introduce you today. So first, Rochelle Smith. Rochelle, you've been involved in Dress for Success for several years now. It's a really important organization. Tell us how it empowers women. Uh, they help uh, women find jobs, women that have found themselves in situations that are unfavorable and they give them the uh, clothes that they need to get the job and then they support them afterwards with professional development. Cool. So, That's yeah, cool. A really neat nonprofit organization that Rochelle has been a part of. And Anne-Marie, I don't know you quite as well as Rochelle, but when I was thinking about one thing I do know about you and how you've empowered women as you've, you've been a volleyball coach. Mm -hmm. And just by being a coach, you're automatically a mentor of women. Tell us how you've touched women's lives uh, at, at, in athletics. Oh, sure. So I coached volleyball when I lived in Oregon. Um, and I got to teach girls who were just learning how to play volleyball. So it was just kind of the basics of how to be a part of a team and how to work well with one another. Um, and then moving from there, which I just loved, um, I got to uh, be certified in uh, being a personal trainer. And I worked with a lot of great women that way who wanted to redefine their health and get back on the healthy wagon. And I just love being a part of their lives doing that as well. Neat. And I know you're a great role, role model to a lot of women. Abby, one thing I know about you too is within your church, you've had the privilege of mentoring some young women. Tell us about that experience. Well, as a church, we focus a lot on community. <clears throat> so being a working mom, you know, or just a working woman in this culture in this day and age is a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of stress, a lot of times. Um, so having that community that you can kind of rely on to support you as you navigate through some of the more challenging seasons in life, I think is a valuable resource for any woman to have. Do you want to tell us a little bit about one of the young people that you mentored? Or does it feel a little bit too personal? 
Well, that was not related to the church. Okay, so yeah, yeah, okay. That yeah. was another That'd mentorship you're involved in. Yeah, okay, tell us about it. Um, yeah, I met a young girl who was 19 at the time, and she had come over from Liberia and had lived with um, family for a couple years, but then actually spent most of her younger years in the foster system. Uh, so when we had met her, she was trying to finish up her high school de- degree, her GED, and um, lived on the south side of Des Moines, kind of in a not-so-great neighborhood, and happened to be close to where my husband worked, so that's how we ended up meeting her. Um, but just able to kind of bring her under our wing and teach her kind of how to do adult life, which seems like a, you know, hard thing. You don't really think about some of the things that we do, I guess. Right. You know, you talk about I, the first conversation I remember having with her about what I do for a living she didn't even understand what the concept of retirement was because in Liberia, they don't retire. Um, so that's been an, an eye-opening experience for me to see how, you know, life circumstances can oftentimes dictate, you know, your opportunities and to be able to provide her with maybe some things that wouldn't have otherwise been an option or, um, you know, an opportunity for her. That's been pretty cool. Okay. So the focus of today's show is going to be women in retirement. You know, there are 3.8 billion of us on this planet. You guys (laughs) did not know there are a lot of women and, and, and a lot of women, there are a lot of women that have wealth that, that have retirement goals that, that need to know what to do. Um, I was reading online, uh, from CNBC, a study that by 2020 women are expected to control $22 trillion of us personal wealth. But when they surveyed the women, 59% of widows and divorcees said they wish they'd been more involved in long-term financial decisions. For, for a myriad of reasons, some women, about 60%, just don't feel as involved. And, and some we can say, you know what, we can blame ourselves. I didn't, I didn't get involved. Some is generational. Some is situational. You know, we don't speculate on why this is. But we do know that women need some empowerment. We know that women thrive on community and education. And we, and we, we know we're smart enough to take all this in. We just maybe haven't had the opportunities. And that's where some of the podcast today and some of the classes that Merkel Retirement Planning is teaching come into play. So we'll get to some of those specific issues for women in retirement in just a moment. But first, we need to talk about something that's been happening in Washington. Yeah, Courtney, that's right. They've now got the votes in the United States Senate to pass the second of two massive spending bills that they are passing today. A new bill just passed by the House could mean big changes for the U.S. retirement system and your wallet. The Senate passed the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, also known as the SECURE Act. This is the biggest retirement bill to be approved since the Pension Protection Act of 2006. So the SECURE Act changes the retirement game starting in 2020. Abby Hunt Rods is here with me. She's a retirement income certified professional. And you know what? I was so excited to talk about how you guys empower women. I forgot to mention your names. We'll talk about <laughs> you know, And that's probably, you know, not quite as important, but your names are, are important. But I was so excited to talk because I, I get the privilege of being around you ladies. And I love it because everyone's story is so different in the way you impact your families and women. So I, I forgot to kind of talk about, I don't even think I said Anne Marie Morrow. Or Abby Hunt-Rods. I think I said Rochelle Smith. But anyways, Abby Hunt-Rods, you're up first. Retirement income certified professional. The SECURE Act has passed. Calls are coming into Merkle Retirement Planning. What are people asking? What are you saying? Yeah, I think the biggest two takeaways on the SECURE Act are that it's going to change the legacy piece of of everything. Um, Because we no longer, as we inherit pre-tax money, IRA money, we're no longer able to stretch that money out over our life expectancy. So 
you know, before, if you were to inherit a $500,000 IRA, you would just be mandated to take out a small minimum amount each year in order to satisfy Uncle Sam's rules. Well, now this SECURE Act that passed is mandating that those accounts be fully liquidated within a 10-year time frame of that IRA owner's death. Um, so that's going to generate a lot of tax revenue for Uncle Sam in a much shorter period of time, which is obviously part of the you know reason that it passed. The other piece of the SECURE Act that I think is going to impact um, you know a lot of people in the immediate future is the age in which they're the age at which they're required to take their first RMD. So the first year that you have to take an RMD, a required minimum distribution from your pre-tax IRAs, used to be at 70 and a half. Now, if you turn 70 and a half in the middle of the year, then you actually have until the following April to take that first distribution. And then after that, it's December of every year. So let's say someone in 2019 turned 70 and a half, you know, the latter part of the year. Well, they're not mandated to take that distribution out until April of 2020. If they think, for whatever reason, that because of the SECURE Act passing, now they have a couple extra years, then they're going to find themselves in a place where two years from now they're going to be penalized 50% because they missed two RMDs. Got it. So if you turn 70 and a half in 2019, even though you wouldn't have to take it till 2020, you still you still take it, right? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So the old rules will still apply. The old rules apply. That's interesting. I don't know if I've seen that in what I've read. So that's a really good note. And I think it's going to be, I mean, people just aren't even going to really know or think to know right. or think to ask because, you know, you kind of casually hear about this legislation passed. And oh, by the way, they moved the RMDH back to 72. And, and you're like, like no, I'm great. good. Yeah, yeah. I already turned 70 and a half in 2019. No. Okay. Yeah. Good note. What about if you're already um, receiving an inherited IRA that you've kind of scheduled out to stretch? Do you have to do something different in 2020 with that? So with the inherited IRAs, if you had already received that money in 2019, then you can stretch it out over your life expectancy. Um, The 10-year distribution rule only applies to money inherited January 1, 2020 and on. So your grandfather did. Yeah. Okay. If you want some more information on the SECURE Act, we've done a podcast on this. Lauren Merkel, Certified Financial Planner, Rochelle Smith, did a podcast recently. It's called How the SECURE Act is Changing Retirement. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. Again, this podcast is called Retiring Today. But the focus today, again, another song, Beyonce. You guys, I can't, get, I can't quite get them to sing with me. Nobody wants me to sing. <laughs> All right. So, so no independent women songs by Destiny's Child will be sung in this in this podcast room. But I'll, what will I'll throw happen? it in underneath. Yeah, don't <laughs> make me sound like Beyonce. Whatever. Oh, can you make me look like her too, please? No. Okay. You know what will happen in this podcast room? We're going to get to some business about talking about women in retirement. So Abby Hunt Rods is a retirement income certified professional. Anna Maria Morrow, she is the healthcare specialist here at Merkel Retirement Planning. So we'll get to healthcare and women in retirement. But first, ladies, let's just have a general conversation. Uh, Abby, maybe you first, and then Anne-Marie obviously chime in whenever you feel <laughs> feel like you have something to add. So we want to hear from you too. Abby, what are some of the, just you know, generally speaking, the challenges that women face that make retirement look a little bit different for them uh, as opposed to men? Generally speaking, women make less money. I mean, statistically, it's proven that we make 70 cents to every dollar that a man makes. Now, we, didn't, we can't do a lot to overcome that obstacle on a whole society level, right? That's just... There's a lot of factors at play there, as we all know, but it's just the facts that 
in the same jobs, we make less money. Yes. So make less money, then therefore there's probably less money to be saved. You know, you still have to pay your mortgage and raise your kids and live life along the way. So less disposable income means that you have less ability to put more money into your 401k plan or your Roth IRAs. Um, So that's kind of obstacle number one. But then also women are more likely to take time off work because they either, you know, are going to be a caregiver and stay at home with their kids for a number of years or later in life, they're more likely to leave the workforce and go take care of their aging parents. My mom's a perfect example. You know, she hasn't really worked a full-time job in, well, I would say for the majority of her life. She stayed at home with us as kids. And now, you know, she's, her dad just passed away a few months ago and her mom's definitely getting up there in age. So she's been the primary caregiver for my grandma. And that's just, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows, um, not only are we more likely to do that, but then the implications that that has on like our social security benefits. Right. Because they take the highest 25 wage earning years, right? So if you have yeah. 35, so if you have <clears throat> 20 zeros, yes. your, your distribution of social security is going to be a lot lower. Yeah. And even if you work part time, I mean, you have, right. you know, f- smaller earnings years in there. And so that's all going to have a, over time, a pretty substantial impact on some of those benefits. So that and then the third kind of compounding factor that we see oftentimes is women's investment risk appetite. You know, when it comes to the stock market, women on average tend to be a little bit more conservative. Well, when you have less money invested, unfortunately, part of that is then maybe we need to be a little bit more aggressive so that we can overcome some of the shortfall in the savings. Um, And there's a lot more that goes into it. But I mean, those are kind of the three big ones that, you know, are obstacles that we have to overcome or at least be aware of. And Anna Marie, women live longer than men. So I know a lot of times what you're doing here at Merkle Retirement Planning is you're sitting down with usually widows and talking about what next and what were those conversations like? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. He always took care of the finances and took care of the insurance, carried the insurance. What's next? So it's really just walking them step-by-step through education and what their options are. Um, And there's just a lot of regret. I hate that using that word, but that's unfortunately what I see a lot of is, you know, I wish I'd been involved sooner. I wish I knew what these statements meant. I wish I knew where these statements were, what to look for, what questions to ask. So it's really been eye-opening of, you know, that certain generations of, you know, where the education kind of fell behind or, you know, what they're hoping to learn more as their life changes. Yeah. And we'll get into specifics, but would that be the takeaway for you to that? I guess if you are married and your spouse takes the lead, I mean, would you, what would, what would you tell women listening? How would they start that conversation? Because I do feel like I haven't even been married all that long, but you just fall into these patterns when you're married. Like he does this and I do that. And and we definitely both do a lot of stuff, but we have our lanes and we have our alleys and I don't necessarily want to go over to his lane or alley. I don't want to mow. I could, I am capable of mowing ladies. (laughs) Don't worry about it, but it's his lane. So I got, I have other lanes. How do you start the conversation? What would you recommend? So actually this actually is kind of new in our household. So I grew up in a household where, you know, my mom stayed home, took care of us kids. My dad handled all the finances. And so growing up, I just, you know, that was sure. I thought that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's how it was. So now what I've been learning in the past few years here is no, I need to be equally involved. So actually once a week, my husband and I sit down, we go over our budget, we review where's what in case of emergencies and where we stand financially, the both of us. We're 
both very active. Oh, that's and so that good of you. And that comes from where, what I've learned being here. And so, yeah. yeah, taking an active part in the financial situation, I think, is just uh, priceless. Well, and I think it's probably easier earlier on in your marriages. Start the right? habit. Yeah. yeah. Because you get so far down a path and, you know, it, at that point, it's a huge obstacle to overcome or it feels that way. So, yeah, I would definitely say better late than ever, you know, just from a succession plan standpoint. Mm -hmm. These are, statistically speaking, things that the women are going to have to deal with. And they might as well at least start dipping their toe in now while they have maybe their spouse still with them to help kind of talk through all right, where's, where is what, and, you know, mm -hmm. what's our plan on these different things? Because uh, it's a lot harder, and we've seen this, it's a lot harder once maybe the husband passed unexpectedly, and now the, the wife's trying to not only deal with her grief in that situation, yeah. like that's a, you know, a horrible thing to go through, but on top of that, also trying to figure out, you know, this huge mess of financial stuff, life insurance, you know, ta the tax implications mm -hmm. of all of it. So I think, you know, starting sooner is always going to be better in that situation. And I think too, if you're working with a retirement planner, they could be kind of that catalyst to sort of get you to write some of this stuff down. Cause it could get tricky in relationships. And, and you know, if I, I don't think this would happen, but let's say I would start, my husband might think, well, you don't think I'm doing a good job at, at yeah. mowing. Why are you mowing all of a sudden, Molly? You don't like my mowing. I mean, sorry, men have can have fragile ego. I mean, my husband, no, but you know? so I think like having a third party to come in and say, like a retirement plan or a healthcare specialist, you know, to come in and say, okay, let's get this all written down. Let's take the emotions and the, the 40 years of marriage you have under your belt or 50 years of marriage that has all these roles that you've been in for a long time. And let's have this third party person say, let's get this all on paper because that is a really important part of the plan that you guys draw up for people. Abby is you put it all in writing, how you, how income's going to be coming in, what taxes look like, but also part of the plan is if one spouse passes, you write that down, basically what's going to happen for, for couples. Yeah. And you have to, because ultimately most of the investments are going to change. Most of the income sources are going to change. If we are looking just at social security, you know, you have two social security benefits coming in as a married couple. And at the point of one spouse passing, the smaller the two benefits is going to go away. So those types of things influence the conversations that we have on, you know, when should each of us take our social security? Does it make sense for one of us to delay taking our benefit so that we can maximize that survivorship amount that would continue coming, coming in if something happened to one of the two of us? Uh, survivorship, you know, percentages on pensions, all of that is going to change at you know, point of one spouse passing. So it all does have to be talked about and factored in and everybody has to understand how those changes, you know, are going to impact them at that point. So speaking of income, Abby, you know, we talked about the SECURE Act and IRAs. And one really important uh, thing about this, uh, taking away this 10-year stretch provision, is that is only for non-spousal people that inherit. So if your husband dies and your husband had an IRA, you can stretch it out. Yes. Right. So, so what's important there? So as a, as a spousal beneficiary, you do have the option to, you know, basically move that account into your name. So it was your, your husband's now it's become your IRA, but let's say you don't need, you know, the extra money and your portfolio on its own is more than enough. And all that's really going to do is add a tax burden to your situation as a widow. Well, then in that case, it's worth exploring and looking at what amount of the inherited IRA, do you want to basically say, I don't need, I'm going to disclaim this, I'm going to give it directly to my kids. 
Because in doing that, I mean, let's say the IRA that you're inheriting is $500,000. You say, well, I only need 100000 of the five I'm going to give the other 400000 to my two kids. Then they're going to be mandated to liquidate that account over 10 years' time between the two of them. In compar- Upon your death. Then. No, no. Upon them inheriting it. Oh, as soon as as soon as they inherit it, they don't have to mm-hmm. wait for the their mom essentially to die in this case or anything nope. like that. Oh, so depending on how old they are, that can be so that that a lot is, of money. Well, and that's why potentially disclaiming the IRA as the widow and passing it on to your kids at that point is going to lessen their tax burden overall. Because okay, if you if we think about this long term, so they get the $400,000 from their dad mm-hmm. and they have to, you know, spend it down in 10 years. Right. Then let's say 10 years later, mom passes away. Now her million dollars is passed on to them and they have 10 years to spend on that million dollars. But by doing it over two 10 year periods, instead of one 10 year period, you were able to, to the best of our ability, control the tax bill that comes with that inheritance interesting i was thinking about i said the the age i was thinking about like a young person inheriting like four hundred thousand. there's some concern uh, probably there about that much money but then that's maybe where wills and trusts and some more advanced even more advanced planning can come into play right well that's where i mean if you think about when most people inherit money i mean we'll call it 50 yeah when you're 50 years old, you're probably in some of your highest wage earning years. Yeah. So let's say today you're in the 24, 20, you know, 8% tax bracket. You dump another $100,000 into that because you inherited, you know, a pretty decent sized IRA. And now a lot of that money is going to be going to Uncle Sam in the state of Iowa. So there's a lot of complexities when it, when we start talking about the legacy piece and, you know, as a spouse, what should you do? Should you stretch it or should you disclaim it? Um, and that's anytime you know, we're working through any of those life transitions. We just want to have a conversation and, and kind of talk through the specifics so that people understand not only the immediate implications, but then 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So we've had a lot of conversations about spouses. So Anna Marie, when it comes to healthcare, as we see a lot of times, the male passes first and then the woman is left to go, now what? What options do you go over with some of those widows? So probably the most common option we look at first and foremost is uh, COBRA. I know that word has kind of been taboo in the past, but um, with the death of the covered spouse, that actually triggers a qualifying event to where most people don't know that COBRA, you can actually then elect for up to 36 months as opposed to the regular 18. So that might be a, a great option if that coverage can get them through to when they turn 65. So COBRA allows them to stay on their spouse's health care plan, but usually they do have to pay more than they were paying before, but it's still sometimes better than the open market. Correct. Yes. The employer wouldn't cover the cost of health care that they probably were uh, before the spouse passed away. Um, so yeah, I mean, you definitely want to look at the cost, compare it to the ACA, um, but there might be a difference in income now that the uh, husband passed away or the, you know, covered spouse passed away, uh, then, you know, look at what your income is because then you might qualify for a subsidy with it, the ACA. So there's different options. Don't think that, you know, just you're left to the open market, which is just astronomical right now with, with pricing. So there are options that we can definitely look at. And married people can be on two different plans and you find sometimes that's that's the way to go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's just me- healthcare can be a very individual situation um, with regard to your own health history, 
um, what you're comfortable with paying as far as deductible goes or what you would rather pay premium wise. Yeah, married couples do not have to be on the same plan. And we probably won't, we're not going to dive into Medicare on this podcast, but I want to make a note that we had Anna Marie as part of a podcast not too terribly long ago where, where we, we went deep into the Medicare changes <laughs> and Anna Marie taught us a lot about that because that's been, we've gotten a lot of questions about that here at the offices, right, Anna Marie? Oh yes. A lot of changes for 2020 for sure. Okay. So we go over those in another podcast of retirement today. Check that out. But back to women in retirement. What about an HSA? How can that be powerful? An HSA is a great vehicle to not only diversify from a tax standpoint, because um, as that money is used to pay for qualified medical expenses, that money comes out tax-free. While the contributions go in and they're tax deductible on the front side, plus then all the growth in that account is tax-free growth. So we kind of talk about it as having triple tax advantages because it's tax deductible up front, tax-free growth, and tax-free distributions for qualified expenses. There is no other bucket like it. I mean, even the Roth IRA, you don't get the tax deduction up front. You get the tax-free growth and the tax-free distributions. So having uh, a healthy chunk in an HSA is going to be pretty powerful to help, you know, fund some of these healthcare expenses down the road. The other thing that we would encourage you to consider, because a lot of times people use the HSA for the tax deduction, and then they pay those medical bills, you know, right away with that same money, which is fine. Um, Because you're still getting, you're making your money go further because you're not paying tax on the money you're using for the medical expenses. But if you can save that money and cash flow those medical expenses from your earned income instead, and hopefully you, you know, make enough to be able to do that, but then you can let that HSA grow because again, all the growth is 100% tax free and then use it down the road in retirement to pay for, I mean, you can use it for a lot of different things like long-term care premiums. Um, obviously just doctor's bills, that kind of thing. You can't use it for uh, Medicare premiums, but there's a lot of flexibility. So, you know, saving it, accumulating it is going to be a pretty powerful tool for you to have down the road. Are women as concerned about long-term care as they should be? Or is that something that if you got to get in front of, you know, some pre-retirees and retirees, would you say you've got to be thinking about long-term care? I think it's on everyone's radar for the most part. Uh, For women, especially, I mean, The women, a lot of times, will try to take care of their husbands as long as they can. So statistically speaking, you know, women are probably going to end up in a care facility before their husbands will. And then, you know, because we're expected to live longer, you know, our husbands pass away. Now there's no one there to take care of us. So if it's not on your radar, it should be not to say that long-term care insurance is a great route, but there's a, a lot of different kind of hybrid or alternative approaches that might make sense. Um, So as long as you know kind of what that risk looks like for you, specifically as a woman, that's a a great place to start. And I found some pretty shocking uh, statistics from Morningstar in regards to women with long-term care. So 58% of women age 65 plus will need long-term care in their lifetime, as opposed to men, who's at 47%. And currently in nursing homes, 70% are women. Wow. <laughs> I was yeah. just talking to Kelsey the other day, and she was talking, so her grandma just moved back from Oregon and lives in a nursing home. She said there are three men in the whole nursing yeah. home, oh. and there's like 140 women. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, but Good that, for those men. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. But that speaks to, I mean, it's crazy. It, de- women definitely have a, a higher risk on that front. Yeah, it speaks to the fact that 
that we need to be ready for this. We need to get involved. We need to sit down with a trusted professional, a trusted, you know, if you're married and it's between you and your spouse, yeah, that's great. But, but again, somebody that you trust to kind of talk this through and maybe, cause it's hard to have these conversations too, cause emotions get involved, you know, like who wants to be like, well, you know, honey, since I'm going to live longer than you, you know, I mean, that's not fun conversations to have, but maybe if you have a trusted professional who can kind of help you put it in numbers, I think there's some real value there. So as women, we're doing good and, and we've got a lot of wealth, but we can do better. And it's so important uh, to the group here at Merkel Retirement Planning that, that we've added a class here just for women in retirement. Briefly, ladies, kind of tell people who's a good candidate to come to the class and what they'll learn. The class is geared towards pre-retirees and retirees. You know, whether you're married, single, widowed, it doesn't matter. Um, the classes that we've held so far, the married women have left their husbands at home. So it's just been a room full of, of women, which is a totally different environment. You know, it's a lot more laid back, a lot more casual. It seems like women are more comfortable just asking whatever questions they have um, that pertain to their circumstances. So it's fun. I mean, it was a fun class. It had good energy. It was yeah. fun. Um, what we're going to talk about is basically our five components of the Merkle method that we have kind of boiled down retirement planning to, which involves uh, income planning, investment planning, tax planning, legacy planning, and then the healthcare planning. So whether you're already retired or you're thinking about retirement, I think there's good information for anyone, any, any woman at any stage along the way. Yeah, widow, single, divorced, or yeah, or married, you, you could just learn some additional information. So if you want to come to that class, we've got free classes uh, throughout uh, Iowa, MerkelPlan.com, that's M-E-R-K-L-E-P-L-A-N.com. So the takeaways from today's show, Abby, you first, plan for additional income outside of Social Security. Social Security alone probably won't cut it. It will not, most likely. Um, and having tax-efficient investments to deliver that income is going to be something that's going to be of paramount importance down the road as legislation changes, as we, you know, experience probably higher tax taxes down the road, just with, you know, where this country's headed. We know that taxes are on sale right now historically. So kind of doing some proactive planning on that front is going to help with the income delivery in retirement substantially. And we know statistically women are less likely to take risks, but I think knowing exactly what a risk means in numbers can be beneficial because sometimes they'll say, oh, on a scale of one to 10, how much risk do you want to take? <laughs> I don't know, six. I mean, it's like, I, what does that mean? Well, what a, a retirement planner can show you is this means if the stock market does this, your investments will do that. And they show you in numbers. And I think, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, that's got some value to it. Oh, it sure does. And knowing what role risk plays in the long-term planning, I think is also crucial just because you might have some different buckets in your portfolio that are invested at different levels of risk. Well, we know the one that's the most aggressive is probably going to fluctuate quite a bit when the market moves up and down. Now, long-term, we know that the market is going to deliver greater gains than most other investments. So having you know your portfolio kind of pieced out into those different levels, different buckets of risk for, you know, inflation and for down the road, if we need long-term care, um, that's an important part of the planning too. And Anne-Marie, it's important to know your healthcare options. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of feedback I get after the class or after these discussions where we sit down one-on-one -on -one with our families is it's amazing how these components tie into it. Like you wouldn't think that healthcare ties into income planning, but it absolutely does. And the tax strategies and legacy planning, they all intermix with one another. So it's, it's really interesting and fun to see how it can all benefit each individual. 
It's been fun to talk with you guys today. Not only do I admire you as coworkers, I admire you as women, wives, mothers. You're you're so bright and intelligent. And it's been fun to get you in front of a microphone and pick your brain on this subject because it's important for women in retirement to have education because with education comes power. And power is a good thing And as you're heading into retirement. Power to kind of take control of, of your future and meeting your retirement goals. We do a lot of talking about retirement, a lot of educating about retirement, Merkel Retirement Planning. We've got a YouTube channel. What is it, Rochelle? Uh, if you go to youtube.com and then you search <laughs> Merkel Retirement Planning, you hear that, Lauren? I got that right. That's for our boss, Lauren. <laughs> www.youtube. <laughs> Check out our YouTube channel. Our podcast is retiring today. And keep checking it out because our goal is to help guide you to and through retirement. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Yeah. Good job, ladies. That was fun. I don't know about you guys, but I use it in fights. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna live longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it now. Why did you say that on air? I know. I know. Thought that about was it. So cute. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, I'm gonna live longer than you. No, I'm gonna be on taking care of you someday. You better yeah. Be. yeah. All right.